It's doing it again. Squealing? Wild. It's kind of squealing. I'll do it like you do it, Joe. Is it squealing? I can't hear it if it's. All right, well, I got it wrapped. Just don't move. Yeah, don't move. Don't talk. Don't say anything. Just stop. Just stop what you're doing. All right, good morning, you guys. Welcome to Adult Sunday School. We are in the book of Romans, been going through it for a while. And we're in Romans 12 this morning. And since this is uh, Sunday school, a little bit of a little bit of knowledge about Paul and do what? Pop quiz. Since it's school, we're having a pop quiz. Oh no, no. We well, we could. It's Romans twelve, starting in verse one. So a little bit about the way Paul writes. He wrote Romans, Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, maybe Hebrews. Um, But the way he generally writes in all the letters, except Hebrews, if he wrote Hebrews, but he is very explanatory in in the first part of the letter. He just explains and lays out... I guess the theory, but it's more than a theory, but it's just he lays out the doctrines and the the explanation of Christianity. And then at the end of the letter, he makes applications. This is this is now that I've told you all of this, now that I've explained what it is, and he really does it for for sure with Romans, he spends eleven chapters explaining Christianity, explaining God's relationship to man and, and how forgiveness is offered in Jesus Christ and what the work of Jesus Christ does for people. And then after 11 chapters of explaining, remember that originally these letters aren't, aren't divided up by chapters, it's, it's just written this way, but he spends 11 chapters explaining Christianity, explaining Israel, explaining all of these these uh, just aspects of Christianity, Jesus Christ, the seed who is Jesus Christ. And then at the end here, starting in chapter 12, he says, all right, now that I've said all of this, 
This is how it gets applied. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it's going to look like. This is what the expectations are. This is how you live out Christianity. And so Paul is essentially done explaining the theoretical aspects of Christianity by the end of chapter 11. And he's done explaining sort of the divine economy and how all things point to Jesus Christ before him and after him. And now in his typical fashion, he's going to begin applying these ideas to life. So Romans chapter 12, we're just going to cover the first couple verses because this is the central foundation point for everything else. Peter's going to talk about this. The Apostle Peter's going to describe this. Uh, Paul, of course, describes it. Jesus Christ starts to lay some of this out, even in his ministry, explaining uh, uh, sacrifice and the putting down of the flesh and, and humbling yourself to the Spirit of God, yielding yourself to the Spirit of God. And so Romans chapter 12, let's read the first couple verses. This is as far as we'll get today, and then we'll just make some ex, uh, explanation and then even some cross-references, quite a few cross-references, because like I said, this is the foundational application to everything in Christianity. He says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, so let's pray and... We're going to talk about that reasonable service. Now that you understand Christianity, here's, here is a service that's not, that's not out of bounds. It's reasonable. It's, it's, it would be expected that this would be the service of God. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning understand your words. Um, thank you for each soul that's here this morning, and thank you for your words. I pray that you would guide us. Help the teachers in the back that are teaching, that you minister to the kids. And I pray that you would help us make the applications that need to be made given what Jesus Christ has done. And so I pray that that would be very clear that this is the point in, in what's being said here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, first thing I notice, he says to offer by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, this is your reasonable service. All right, we'll do a pop quiz. Okay, so, so why is presenting your body a reasonable service within the understanding of Christianity? Why would it be reasonable? your body is the temple okay it's it's what you have to offer who is the basis for christianity jesus christ jesus 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 yeah yes sir go ahead bingo there you go that's it that's it as he did it he gives up his life and so Paul says, that is the foundation for everything. Therefore, 
if, if I ask you now to give up your body, that is reasonable. That isn't outside of it. It's not like we're telling you to do something. It's not like Paul's saying to do something that you say your master did, didn't do. He's saying the shepherd of your soul did this. Therefore, I'm asking you and I'm telling you the practice of Christianity literally is the foundation of Jesus Christ doing what he did. So it's because it's reasonable because it's what the Lord Jesus Christ himself did and it's what he told his followers to do. So we're, I'm going to show you Jesus Christ said the same things. Paul says Peter's going to say the same things. But let's, let's look at a few cross-references to this. It says to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now it mentions holy, acceptable to God. So you present, people can present their bodies to many things. Um, the, the idea of offering your body in a holy way, that's Christianity because that's again what Jesus Christ does. But let me give you a couple of cross-references to this. Let's start with something else Paul says in a different letter. Look in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus Christ said these things. He started to lay the foundation. Paul is going to explain all this post-resurrection Peter will draw from the same well here and explain the same things in his letters. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse... Well, we can start in verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded... There's the mind. He's going to make a distinction between the renewed mind, which is a Christ-like mind, and a mind that has been conformed to the world, which is basically a selfish mind. Verse 2, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This is, it's so, I wish I could just explain the whole thing of Philippians, the whole letter, because this absolutely goes with everything he's saying in Philippians and the relationship that the Epaphras had with, I just heard a sermon about this the other day and it was so good, it was perfect. But this absolutely goes with, what uh, needs to be said to the Philippians. Verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, this is, this is key here. Wherefore, for this reason, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he says, let this mind be in you. And then he explains the mindset. He, he humbled himself, he humbled himself, he became a man, he yielded himself even unto death, the, and the, the will of the Father essentially um, laying down his life for sinners. And then Paul says, because he did this, he was highly exalted. Highly exalted. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Why? Because he approves of that mindset. That He approves that. That's, that is what God's will is. That is his approval now. And then, of course, Jesus Christ lays down his life and the assurance of God's approval, of the Father's approval, was that three days later, Jesus Christ comes out of a tomb. He has life. He beats death. So this is, some, this is the, the conquering, uh, the, the life-giving spirit here, the life-giving man that uh, conquers death because he's approved by the Father. That at the name of Jesus, verse 10, every nation bowed things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. All right, let's kind of take apart some of the, the renewed mind. Because so this is the idea. You, you gotta have a renewed mind. What's a renewed mind? It's a mind that's like, like Christ's mind. It's a mind that, that, that is conformed to the image and mentality and psychology of Jesus Christ. The way he thinks. Well, how did he think? Well, here's, here's a couple of thoughts about this. First of all, Jesus Christ is the head, and so if you call him the head, then you you want to let the head do the thinking. That's that's the idea. He's 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 that's one of the ideas. He's the let this mind be in you, the, the same mind that's in the head here. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So to turn a sinner into a servant of God, the mind has to be corrected, and it has to be conformed to what Jesus Christ's mind is. Uh, he made himself of no reputation, so social standing. He's born in a born in a barn. He is uh, he doesn't. You find out that he doesn't seem to explain his birth to a lot of people. And and as far as uh, being accused of being born of fornication by the Pharisees and things like that, so uh, he's he doesn't promote himself in that way. He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant. Um, a couple things that Jesus Christ would say. You don't have to go to these verses. I'm gonna I'm gonna cite them for you, and you can write them down if you want to. But Jesus Christ would say, as far as being in the form of a servant, Jesus Christ Himself would say in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. That's Matthew 20:28. 20, what, and what's, what's the point of, of pointing that out? That Jesus Christ's mentality, his mind, it's, it's the same thing that Paul is preaching. It's the same thing that Peter's going to say, as we'll see in a minute. Um, he said it again, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So he submits himself to the will of the Father. Uh, the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 5.8 that Jesus Christ learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And that's, a, that's an interesting, interesting thought as far as parents and, and, and children's relationship. But 
He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I mean, you, you think of Jesus Christ before he's born into this world. I mean, God, God doesn't have, he does, he's not hungry. He's not thirsty. He's not, he, he's not obedient. He's not subject to anybody, but Jesus Christ born into this world, God manifest in the flesh. Now he's subject to people. Now he's subject to laws. Now he's subject to hunger. Now he's subject to thirst. Now he's subject to bad friendships. Now he's subject to a, a, a whole myriad of problems that God would never be subject to. Because he just can't be saved. He's not, he's not man. God's not man until Jesus Christ. God manifests in the flesh. So it means he, he learns obedience by the things he suffered. He's a servant. He yields himself to the will of the Father. Um, made in the likeness of men. I dealt with a little bit about that just now, but you know, the hunger, the thirst. Uh, Isaiah 53 would say he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's, that's not something that God would necessarily be subject to or acquainted with unless he were a man. He got tired. Uh, I don't know that God the Father gets tired. I don't think he gets tired. Um, Jesus Christ got hungry. He got thirsty. So he's, he yields himself. He becomes this, he's this man, is the will of God wrapped up in a, in a body. He obeys. He becomes a servant. He obeys even unto death. And so the victory, really the victory of the cross is the putting down of, of flesh and blood. And, um, in John chapter, well, we can look at it. John chapter 12. Look in John chapter 12. I'll give you a cross reference to this thought here. John chapter 12, verse, verse 30. John 12, 30 says this. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's, he's describing things about the cross. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. I'd be lifted up. What's that? Lifted up. It sounds like a glorious thing. No, it's lifted up in the, on the cross. I'd be lifted up. So John explains that this, this he said not because he was talking about being glorified in the sense that, you know, we're going to make him king. This is talking about being lifted up in the sense that he's going to be killed. And the flesh and blood that, that he's wrapped in will be, will be crucified and nailed to a cross. And the will of man will be nailed to a cross, subjecting itself to the will of God. So he's obedient unto death. The cross was sort of this defanging of the, of the serpent. Um, it was the destruction of the flesh. It was completely disarming the enemy. Uh, you know, we talk about the, the flesh and, and, the, and the devil and the world. They're all, they all work in, in unison, really. But uh, this was this was something that is so 
just as a side note here, but it's so old, a, such an old mentality. Um, you go back to the book of Job, which is the oldest book ever, at least that we have, and the, the philosophy of Satan in that book is really his philosophy of life. And that is that I can either pressure you into cursing God, like I can make life so miserable you will curse God, or I can make life so pleasurable you will forget God. And this is, this was, this was his argument to, to, to God. You see this back and forth and it's really profound, but this is the essential argument. But if, if, if your if your flesh is getting what it wants, you'll curse God. You'll forget God. Or if your flesh is under so much pressure that, that it just can't stand it, you'll eventually curse God. And this was the philosophy of Satan. This is the, this is the philosophy. What Jesus Christ does is he beats that. That's that's it's not true that that's that's every that may be most people's way of do, dealing with life. But it's not everybody's way of dealing with life, and particularly it's not Jesus Christ's way of dealing with life. He's yielded to the Father through through terrible just this injustice and pain and things like that. And so he, he's continued to be yielded to the Father. And so at the end of that, when he's crucified, the Bible says through Isaiah that the Father's satisfied. He becomes satisfied with the death. So that said, that's sort of a side note about just the philosophy. It's interesting how these things start way, way, way back here. And then here in the New Testament, you're, you're still explaining some of the same themes all the way through the mentality of humanity. It doesn't really change. And the, the mentality of humanity is basically, it's basically the, what Satan's mentality of humanity is in, in Job. Kind of interesting how that works. So this is why Paul would say, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. That's Romans 12. Back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to think like Jesus Christ. This is what Christianity is, thinking like Jesus Christ. Take up your cross. Now, this is... I appreciate Jake visiting before Sunday school because it made me think of a few things about this. This um, When Paul writes this, I, I have this tendency, I know when Paul reading these things that to think like Jesus Christ, then you have to die for Jesus Christ. Like you somehow have to be in a position to die for him. The reality is, even when Paul writes these things, there are certain churches, certain congregations that are being persecuted more than others. Some, some congregations are being, some of the, some of the influential people are being thrown in prison. Others are seem to be enjoying some, some freedom. I mean, like the Corinthians enjoyed a little bit of, bit of freedom. Um, Thessalonians, not so much. Some, a lot of those guys get persecuted and some thrown in jail. What I'm saying is the, the application of faith, which is a renewed mind, 
a yielded mind to the will of the Father, subduing the flesh. That's the circumcision made without hands. I'm going I'm to make a distinction between carnal thoughts and spiritual thoughts. And so that, that application as faith has many different applications. And I'll give you the example. But I think it's a good example here. You go to Hebrews chapter 11. And in fact, let's do it. Let me, let me show this to you. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. What is the application of faith? Does it mean you have to die for, for, for Jesus Christ? Is that what that means? Hmm. We'll see. Hebrews 11, it's later on here. Yeah, 30, 33. Start in 33. So this is, these are all applications of faith. This is the same faith that's been in operation that Paul points out in Romans. It's the same faith. The, the, the only difference, which is a big difference, but the, the, the difference is now post-resurrection, people are trusting Jesus Christ because the Father said, here's my son, hear him. This is, this is, this is who you trust. Before you're trusting the God of Israel, you're trusting the words of Moses, you're trusting, you're trusting somehow the God of Israel, the creator, even before Israel, and so there has to be, that's the relationship. God speaks, people listen. That's faith. How that is applied to people's lives is all kinds of different ways. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, in the same verse, this is so wild, in the same verse, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. You see the difference? You go, you go from people having, people asking God to heal their children, sometimes their dead children, and God raises the dead. That's a, that is a glorious thing. He raises the dead children, or, or he, subdues a kingdom or he uses somebody to bring about righteousness and then in the same breath he says but others were thrown in prison others were sawn asunder others were stoned why it's it's the same faith it's just so many different outcomes of that faith depending on where you are it, it it's 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 this it, in, in Paul's day, for the Thessalonians, you, you had, uh, uh, there was a man in, in Acts, um, Jason, who is housing some of these folks, and the, the law enforcement goes to Jason 
and says, you know, they arrest him and throw him in jail. And then the, of course, the magistrate wants money, wants some bail money. And why? Because they're, they're, they're actively participating with Jesus Christ in Christianity and, it, and they're making it public. And where they are, there is, there's a heavy Jewish influence and there's, there's some, just some opposition to what they're doing. And so in Thessalonica, some, some folks get thrown in jail. But if you're in Corinth, you're not dealing with people being thrown in jail. You're j- dealing with a church that can't get along. It's, it's just, there's, there's no real outside opposition in Corinth. There's just a bunch of people who can't get along. So how is faith applied? It's, it's applied different if you're a mom. It's applied different if you're a dad. It's applied to a, a certain way if you're a husband. It's applied a certain way if you're a child. It's, the point is these outcomes, they're all different, but it's the same faith. And so to compare yourself and say, well, we, we all have to die for our faith. Well, I'm, if you live in a certain place, you, that might happen. And in South Texas, it doesn't happen. It's not happening now. Faith looks like something else in South Texas, in Beeville, South Texas in 2024. just looks like something else. It doesn't look like getting your head chopped off for your faith. That's not what it looks like. It looks like something else. Now, it may look like that someday. The point is, and Jake said it well, the point is to renew your mind and have the same mindset that Jesus Christ had, which is obedience to the will of the Father, subject the flesh to the will of God. That's what Jesus Christ did. And that may look like a myriad of different things in your life, depending on your relationships, depending on where you are in life. It may look like a whole lot of different things. So Romans chapter 12, let's go back over here and, and finish up verse, verses 1 and 2 real quick. So reasonable service. Offer your bodies, living sacrifice, reasonable service. Why? Because this is the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ upon this rock. This is what we're going to build. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we kind of got that. Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So I beg you by the mercies of God. The mercies of God is Jesus Christ laying down His life. Now I beg you by that that act. By, by what he did, you offer your own body, living sacrifice. It's reasonable. And, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you know what the will of God is. It's not, a, it's not distinguished by three different things here. The will of God is that you would offer your body a living sacrifice. That's the will of God in verse 1. Now, how are you going to prove that? You live that out. You don't be conformed to the world. And so it is the mind of Christ really, as we read in Philippians, leads to the exaltation of Christ. So Jesus Christ becomes living proof that the Father is satisfied with the resurrection, you know, the resurrection is the, the, the assurance to all men that God is satisfied. And he gives assurance of all men to this. So Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. What is that? That's, that goes back to 
essentially the devil's philosophy of people, which is generally true. It's generally right of people. They can be pleasured enough or pressured enough into cursing God. That's generally true. Now, in Christianity, it's not, that's not supposed to be true. That's, that's not, that's, that's, that's a lower thinking. That's a conformity to this world. That's the, 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 uh, confirmation of the mind of this world and the way this world is, is blueprinted and architected out. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, things like that. Now in verse 2, back in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, and I, I don't think at this point that there's a question. It's not like you present your body so that you can figure this out. It's you present your body because that's the will of God. That's verse 1. The will of God is you present, you offer your body a living sacrifice. And then by doing that, you prove to the world what, what God's will is. You show to the world what God's doing. This is what Jesus Christ did. Look in, I'll give you a couple of verses on this. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. Because Peter talks about this. I don't think it's, he's not trying to figure out what God's will is. He's already told you what the will of God is. I used to read that like that, the word, okay, I offer my body a living sacrifice and then I figure out what God's will is. No, the offering of the body is the will of God. And if you do that, God exalts that and he makes manifest to the world that this is his will. This is, this is what he wants done. 1 Peter 1.13. I mean, the whole chapter, again. It's, just, it's so hard to take. You know, you don't do this with any other books or anything where you just take a piece out and you just, you know, well, this is what he's talking about. <laughs> I understand for time's sake and all that, we got to do this with the Bible sometimes. Just be careful how you do it with the Bible. First Peter 1, verse 13, Wherefore... All right, so you know there's, this is the context. He just said a bunch of stuff, but we're not going to read all of it. <laughs> Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That's what Paul's saying. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. That's be not conformed to this world. That's, that's what Paul said. That's what Peter said. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is, as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's what Paul said in Romans 12. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. So Peter's following the same line of thought with this. In the same letter here, look in chapter 4. <clears throat> Verse... Verse 1. First Peter 4 1 says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. That, that's the idea. You just put the flesh down and you subject, you make it subject to the will of God and the mind of God. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. There you go. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, you know, be, be uh, renew your mind. 
For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. These are the, this, is the, this is the opposing things. you got the lusts of the flesh, so the, 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 the conformity to this world versus the will of God. Um, verse 3, you can keep reading as he explains some of it. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So this is your former life. If it is your former life, this is your former life. You, you, you trust Jesus Christ. You subject your mind to, to the will of God. And this is the idea here. So Peter, he preaches and teaches and writes about these things that Paul's writing about that Jesus Christ talked about. And in fact, um, Jesus said it this way. You don't have to turn to this, this place, but in Mark, I'll just read it to you. Mark chapter 10, verses 29 through 30, Jesus said this. He said, Jesus answered, he said, There's no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. So this is the idea. You, you, you yield yourself to the will of God, and that, that's at the expense sometimes of sometimes relationships. And I, I, I hesitate how to say that because... Jesus Christ is not for splitting up families. That's not what he's, he's not trying to destroy families. He's trying to help families. He's trying to help people. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it, it, it comes to that where you, you trust Jesus Christ. You're going to trust the words of God and somebody's not going to want to walk down that path with you. And that's just what happens in life. And so the Lord says, look, if somebody's done that, if they've given up on some of these things and yielded their will to the will of the Father at the expense of some of these valuable things in life, there's, a, there's reward for that. There's, there's proof. There will be proof that this is God's will and this is, this is what He intended. He, he wants, he, well, that, that may sound tyrannical, but yeah, he wants the flesh put down, but he wants the flesh put down because the flesh is corrupt. It's bad. It, does, it doesn't lead to anything good. And so that carnality has to be put away. And then we go back over to, so Peter talks about it. Um, Jesus Christ talked about it. And it would, it would, we could just go through verses and verses to, to see this, how many times it's said. But you remember Philippians, <clears throat> Paul says, at the end of all this, Jesus Christ, he obeys, he yields himself, even obedient unto death. And then it says, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. So this is the approval. God approves of this. He approves of this mindset. And so when, when Paul talks about it in Romans 12, 
that you would do these things. This is reasonable service, and then it would make proof of essentially God's will. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Not, not figure it out. You're not trying to find it out. You already know what it is. What you're going to do is be the be, be living proof, just like Jesus Christ is living proof that God's will is superior to the world's ideas. He's living proof. How, how is he living proof? Well, he's risen from the dead. He beat death. There's no philosophy in the world that does that. So he's living proof of God's will being superior to anything you could find in, in this in this world. So God highly exalts him, gives him a name above every name. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this is, this is really, <clears throat> these two verses provide a foundation now of application. And Paul is going to go off into, just like we started to briefly explore some of these different outcomes of faith and different applications of faith. This is what Paul's going to do. He's going to start making these applications. You got this gift, do this. You got this gift, do it this. Treat it like this. Act like this. Behave like this with people. Do Everybody's just going to start making all these applications with it. But this is the foundation. And this is why Jesus Christ would say when he was asked, so what's the greatest, what's the, what's the greatest law? There's a whole series of, of laws and the lawyer asks, what's the greatest law? And he says, well, to love God with all your heart is the first. Right. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, on all these, everything, everything is, is found. Well, just like that, these two verses, every, this is the application of everything that Paul said up to this point. Now he's saying, here's how it's applied. And here's how it's going to be applied individually in people's lives, going on through chapter 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. So, reasonable service to God. It's reasonable service. It's not outside of what you would expect God to ask because Jesus Christ himself laid his life down in submission to the will of God. So, Let's pray. We'll get out of here and go next door. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for these words. Thank you for what you've given us in Jesus Christ. Um,